you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. You ready for the word? Today we are concluding our series, Amazing Grace. We've been talking about experiencing God. It's always amazing whenever we experience Him. And if there ever was a man who could say that he had experienced God, Moses would be in the top ten. But if you look at the life of Moses, it's easy to overlook an important detail. The Bible says Moses went up to God because God called him from the mountain. Now, most of us know this mountain is Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. But we don't hear a lot about one particular detail. If you think about it, Moses had to climb a mountain to be with God. He did this at least seven times that we know of. Sometimes he did those trips back to back with very little rest in between. It was a lot of effort, a lot of work to be able to go and be in the presence of God. But we don't hear a lot about the effort that he made. We read about the time when he was up on the mountain. We read about what happened when he came back down off the mountain. But nothing is said about the whole climbing thing. I want you to think about that for a moment. How many of you have climbed Mount Lam Lam? Raise your hand. Wow, good number. Maybe almost half, maybe one third. Okay. It's about an hour to the top. It's a really good workout. This is a picture of Pastor Ferdy and I about halfway up Mount Lam Lam. For those who don't know, Pastor Ferdy is one of our every nation pastors in the Philippines. He's also an ultra marathoner. A couple years ago, he raised money for the underprivileged as he ran 50 kilometers every day for 50 days. He ran across the Philippines, uh, raising support for people who are underprivileged. In the background there, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, you can. Cocos Island, off in the distance. You know, everyone likes the view at the top. Not everyone likes the climb. People might see your post on social media, but nobody sees the hard work that got you there. This is how our daily life can feel with God. His amazing grace is an invitation to be in his presence. But like the view at the top of Mount Lam Lam, it requires a lot of effort on your part. For example, you get up early in the morning, you get breakfast, you get the whole family ready to go to church. It takes intentionality to be able to put ourselves in a position to experience God. Or how about this, during the week, you get up early to read passages that you don't necessarily understand. Or you take time in the midst of your busy day to pray. Or maybe you go to life group at the end of a long day at work, and you're rushing through five o'clock traffic and trying to get something to eat and get to group on time. Or maybe you're going out of your way to invite people to the Festival of Hope. Or maybe you will invite people to the Festival of Hope. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I will. <laughs> 
And why do we do these things? Why do these things? You know, I was talking with uh, two couples after their life group meeting this week, and I was enjoying how they were happy, they were content, uh, they were feeling encouraged because of how God is working in their small group. But you know what? Here's the thing. They made the effort to meet each week. And here's the part that really impressed me. They've been meeting regularly for five years. I was impressed with these couples by their contentment and their joy, but how did they get there? They've been meeting to seek the Lord by praying and studying the Bible for five years. We don't have to do anything to earn our place in God's presence, but there is an effort on our part to enter into his presence. Imagine receiving a letter stating that you have received a four-year scholarship to a prestigious institution, and you can choose whatever major you want. You don't have to do anything to earn the right to attend this college. You don't even have to pay. But once you start attending classes, how many of you know there's going to be a whole lot of work to do? Even though God invites us into his presence, by his amazing grace, there is an effort on our part. And so like every relationship, it's a two-way street. Dallas Willard said this, grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Let's pray. Father, as we are encountering you in all the myriad of ways that you allow, that you enable. We are trying to understand some things that seem like a mystery. On the one hand, your love is unconditional. Lord, your grace is amazing. And yet, on the other hand, we need to participate. And there's our part and our heart. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be able to find our way in your kingdom. I pray that we will experience you more in 2020 than we have ever known. And so, God, use your word, which is alive and powerful, to reveal, to heal, to guide, to encourage, to strengthen. Lord, I ask that your spirit would take your written word and make it alive. Lord, may it find a place within us to land, to be at home, and take root and grow. And I pray, multiply through us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to take a closer look at just five verses from Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Let's read it together. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked 
and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews is a book that was written to take all the significant themes and theology and storylines in the Old Testament and show how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all of it. It deals with theology that um, people only familiar with the, with, with the Old Testament would understand, and yet applicable to anyone who picks it up. The high priest identity and the function of Jesus is highlighted in this passage. And this is incredibly important in the Bible story. A priest's job is to mediate between God and people, and to bring people and God together. In the Old Testament, so much hope was placed on the high priest because if he didn't do his job right, that meant trouble for everybody. Every little detail of his life and preparation mattered. In order for him to be qualified and to make the proper sacrifices for sins of the people, he had to be ritually clean and he had to be pure. And this was a nerve-wracking process because all of us are prone to being unclean and impure. But then, Jesus arrives as our true high priest. And this is really good news for two reasons. Uh, number one, he's like us. He is truly human. He is fully human. He knows the experience that we go through. He understands temptation. He understands the struggle with weakness. He experienced all of these things like we do, and yet he never sinned. Everything you're going through, Jesus went through it too. In fact, I would encourage you, the next time you're going through a struggle, just say this little prayer. Lord, when did you go through the same thing that I'm feeling now? And just let him show you. The Bible says he's gone through everything that we go through. And yet, he's not like us. He's not. You know, as comforting as it is for someone to identify with your weakness, they can't help you unless they have learned to overcome. Most of us know people who are like us. And we can try to support each other when we're going through struggles. But Jesus is our great high priest, and he's better than just a friend who understands what you're going through. He knows all about temptation and weakness, and yet he didn't sin. And so this means that Jesus is very approachable, and he's personal, and yet powerful to transform us. He's the one full of truth and mercy and grace. 
You know, whenever I struggle with something, um, I don't go to people who have the same struggle that I have. I go to people that had my struggle, and they were able to overcome. Those are the people that can help lead me to victory and to freedom and transformation. You know, people that can't empathize with your weakness or your struggle, they can't show any compassion. The best mentors, the best coaches, parents, spiritual leaders, on some level can relate to you. And yet they have also overcome. Jesus endured every possible temptation that you can think of. And yet he overcame every one of them. Nobody knows what you're going through better than he does. He was tempted in every way that you're struggling, and yet he overcame every challenge. And in that way, he's here for you to help. On the one hand, he's your best friend. But on the other hand, we will one day answer to him for every word, for everything. There's no way to hide from him, as this passage reveals. And so you might as well come to him to find mercy and grace. His grace is an invitation. His grace also offers you the ability to climb any mountain that may be an obstacle to experiencing God or to experiencing life the way he intended it. Right now, some of you have great challenges. I would say most everybody in this room is going through something right now. You know what it is. But despite the challenges that you face, God is saying, let me be with you in this challenge. And he's inviting you to rely on him to help you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to be able to overcome whatever that challenge is. You know, too often, we try to handle things our own way, in my own understanding, in my own effort. And yet, God is gracious to reveal how we are relying on the kingdom of self. You know, when you read the word of God, this passage is saying that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, when you read the Bible, the truth is, actually, the Bible is reading you. God is reading you. He knows what you're going through, and he reveals where you're at so that we can make a course correction to be able to trust him and rely on him. The word of God cuts into the truth of who we are and what's going on in our lives. When you sense God is getting your attention, this is the time. Whatever he's saying, this is the time to follow him. As you obey, you will experience God, and that experience, this experience with God, is what will change you. One encounter with God, and we are not the same. The good news of the gospel is we've been given this open invitation to be with God. By his grace, to confidently be with him. Of all the amazing things about God's grace, the best is this invitation to simply be with him.
Now, this sounds great, but it's easier said than done. Perhaps the way you grew up, some things that were said to you, some things that were done, may have made you feel like, made you feel bad about yourself, or maybe caused you to think that maybe God is upset or disappointed. Maybe that caused you not to ask for help. Maybe it's caused you to think, you know what, God doesn't really want to bless me. And so we don't get our hopes up too high about life, and we definitely don't go big in our prayer. There are all kinds of reasons that we're reluctant, we feel unworthy, we feel guilty, because the truth is all of us have messed up, myself included. It might be with money, or maybe it's relationships, maybe it's drugs, maybe a crime. It really doesn't matter what it is. Do you remember the story of the woman caught in adultery? These group of men, religious leaders, found this woman in the act and brought her to Jesus, placed her before him, and demanded that he do something. And as if you've read the story, you know that Jesus just kind of squatted down and started writing things in the, in the dirt. And they continued to demand, you know, this is what happened to this woman. What do you say? And he said, you who are without sin, you may throw the first stone. And one by one, beginning with the oldest, they began to drop their stone and leave. And so there Jesus is squatting down, doodling in in the dust. He looks up and he says to the woman, woman, Where are your accusers? And she said, I have none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. You know, the first time I read that, I thought, wow, Jesus is so cool. (laughs) That that's his heart. That's the first time I got a glimpse of the grace of God when I read that story. You know, there are two things to take away from that story. First, when Jesus speaks to your enemies, when Jesus speaks to the voices in your mind that say, I'm not enough, the enemy drops his stones of accusations and he walks away. Secondly, when Jesus speaks to you, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You have a fresh, clean start. Your life can start over brand new every time you come to him with a heart of confession and repentance. Yeah, the very first time I read that, I was so impressed with Jesus' heart. This Jesus, this kind of Jesus, is the one that you are invited to be with the one who is super gracious. And so how do we enter into his presence? I want to share just two thoughts. Number one, we need to slow down. We just need to slow down. Did you know God is a three-mile-per-hour God? 
Sometimes we think like God is like the speed of light. You know, 186,000 miles per second. The power of God. But when God actually entered human history and revealed his presence to people, he came in the form of a three-mile-per-hour God. It's interesting, he came at a point in history when there were no cars. There was no smartphone. In those days, people didn't follow Jesus on Instagram. They actually walked with him. They actually followed him. Imagine a half-day walk to Jericho and the conversations that are happening as you're walking along this dry, dusty road on the way to Jericho. Turns out, three miles per hour is the average speed of walking. If you want to spend time with God, we need to slow down. You can't love people at 186,000 miles per second. And so, in slowing down, I want to be very practical. And I want to encourage you to develop a spiritual discipline of taking time, in fact, three times every day, to just slow down, to be still, and just be with God. You can do this wherever. You can do it in your car, you can do it at your desk, you can do it at work, you can do it at home. But I just want to encourage you just to kind of bow your head and bow your spirit and just connect with your heart and to be still. And take a deep breath as you're choosing to spend time with God and just tune in to him. Be aware of his presence and simply be available. You know, when you're hanging out with good friends, you ever meet with people that are a little nervous, you know, socially, and they just like to talk a lot? But you know you're with people, you're with your gang when you can just really relax and you don't have to say anything? I mean, sometimes I have guests over at my house, and they're sitting on the couch, and they're sitting up straight, and they've got their legs crossed, and they're talking, and they're all proper. But there are other times when I have some friends over at the house, and we're kicked back, on the love seat and on the couch and on the floor and it might be we might be tired and even closing our eyes and we're just talking and I crack up when that happens I'm like you know what I know we're family because we're just too relaxed here <laughs> and we need to slow down and relax and get in that place of rest and just be with God and you don't have to say a lot you don't have to do a lot when you're with friends So I want to encourage us three times a day to slow down and just be still and be with him. Secondly, we need to do more than read the Bible and listen. We need to be willing to listen and obey. Now that's not something that you can work through on the spot when God is speaking to you. That's something that you already need to have worked out in your heart and mind before he speaks to you. You know, in the spiritual battle of life, and Jeff Ferris was talking about it, there is a battle that's going on, especially as we approach the, the festival of hope. You know, in, in fighting, um, people who, who train in fighting 
they practice the moves over and over and over again so that you can do it with your eyes closed and just feel your opponent and know how to move. When the enemy is attacking, that's not the time to figure out what am I going to do because you're going to get hit. <laughs> okay, you already need to know what the plan is. And so I've been working as long as I've been a Christian saying, God, help me get to a place where my heart is moldable and teachable and ready to listen and follow you when you speak. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Just this week, I was at the gym. I think it was, um, might have been a when, no, I think it was a Friday morning. And in my mind, I think normally Friday mornings, I, I kind of have a free morning, so I can go to the gym and work out a little longer than when I've got an 8 o'clock meeting. So I'm in the gym, and it's about, mm, it's about 8.30, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm going to work out till 9.30. And so I'm there, and all of a sudden, the Lord says to me, you need to get ready now and go to the church. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that's about, but I got ready, I went to the church, I'm driving, I'm on my way, and I'm thinking to myself, why? What's going on? Maybe somebody's going to call, something's going to happen, I need to be there. I don't, I don't know what it is. So I drive down the cement driveway in the back here, and I see a bunch of cars parked by the office on this corner. I'm like, what's going on? Usually it's just Zarina and Marion. And so I walk in, and there's people in my office. And there's former governor Felix Camacho, and there's Jeff Sanchez in charge of the sound and the program for the festival. And I walk in, they're like, hi, good morning, Pastor Mark. They said, you know, it's okay, Tom's running late. And I walk back out, and I'm like, shoot. I look at my phone, I'm like, oh, man, I had an appointment. I forgot all about it. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> After that meeting was over, I'm confessing in front of Jeff. He was in that meeting. <laughs> oh, no, he wasn't there. It was Mie. Don't tell Mie. <laughs> Nobody tell Mie. <laughs> so after that meeting was over, I said, Lord, thank you for saving me. And he said to me, I've saved you from a whole lot more that you don't know about. The amazing grace of God. His amazing grace is an open invitation to be with him. When you sense God is speaking to you about something, this is your invitation to join him. At that moment, you will likely go through a struggle. You will say, God, is that really you? Is that just my thoughts? Uh, what's going on here? But if you think God is speaking, you will have to make a decision. You'll have to make a choice, either to obey him and follow him, or to go about doing your own thing. His amazing grace is an open invitation to be with him and to walk with him. When you choose to follow him, you will never be the same. You know, I've been talking about experiencing God, the love of God, the grace of God, especially in this series. But I tell you, when he saved me from forgetting that meeting on Friday, <laughs> I was just so tickled inside. I said, wow, I actually heard God. <laughs> and I obeyed. <laughs> I said, wow, this works. <laughs> and you know, I talk about the love of God, but when you have an experience like that, it does something inside. 
and you're like, wow, he really is for me. He really is looking out for me. He really does love me. And then that changes you on the inside. You want to be with God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, this love, which is more than we can fathom, we are getting glimpses here and there. Lord, we know there's so much more. We're just looking at the tip of the iceberg. And so, God, we are drawn to you. We desire to enter in, to experience you. And if you're, if you would, in the privacy of your heart and mind, I want to invite you just to take some time to be alone with God even now, just to kind of bow in your heart and your spirit and to turn your attention toward him. And I want to encourage you to take God at his word, to believe him, to trust him, to guide, to encourage, to enable you to be able to face the challenges that are before you. Earlier I said everybody here is going through some kind of challenge. And I want to invite you to trust God, to trust the grace of God in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing. And so just take a moment to do some business with God. And I want to invite you to make that choice, to enter into his presence, to experience him, to encounter him in the midst of your challenge, whatever that is. So just take a moment to be with him. Father, I'm here and I'm making a choice to turn to you and to trust you with my life. God, I'm choosing to take you at your word that you demonstrated your love through your son Jesus and that you're not only here but you're for me. God, I ask that you would increase my faith to be able to trust you in the needs that I'm facing now. I want to experience you, and I want to experience what life is like as I walk with you. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address another group of people that may be here today. As you're hearing me talk about experiencing God, this is something that you've been thinking about lately. In fact, you're here today because you're searching. You sense that God has been getting your attention. And you're realizing that there's something, there's something more. You're realizing that it's God. 
if you have never actually made a decision, if you've never made a conscious choice to invite God into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's very simple. The most important part is simply the desire, the decision. But then secondly, expressing that to God. And that's what we call prayer. So what I'll do is pray in a moment. And you can pray with me. You can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if this describes you, I'd like you to look up and when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if you'd like to do this, go ahead and look up at this time. And then we'll pray together in a moment. Here. Over here, yes, I see you. Yes, the whole group there. Anybody else? And there in the back, I see you. Anybody else here? Okay, great. And anybody on this side here? Okay, very good. And here, yes. Anybody else? In the back, yes, I see you there. Very good, let's pray. God, I sense that you've been getting my attention lately. And as a result, I'm here. I'm making a choice to open up to you, to invite you to be in my life, to show yourself to me. So Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the ways I've been trying to do it myself, which hasn't worked real well. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to others. So God, I, I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me from those things. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit of forgiveness. And I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me. And I invite Jesus to come into my life and to fill me, to forgive me, and to cleanse me, and to give me a new start. Lord, I pray that you would Show me the way life, the way you intended life to be. Lord, guide me to experience your blueprint for life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand who prayed that prayer.